Hi folks, welcome to episode 122 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bouchotts, and this is the show for October 2023. It is another solo show, and I'm going to stop apologizing for them, because I kind of enjoy doing them, actually. Um, And I'm getting some feedback from listeners that you guys, or at least some of you guys, like listening to them. I have some ideas for a tweak to the format that's a little bit more like a solo show, but not quite solo. But uh, I'm going to keep my powder dry on that one until I'm ready to actually do it. So that's just a little teaser that the format may be shifting a little bit either late this year or early next year. Not that there's very much left of this year. Anyway, this is a show about the news in Apple, so... Let us get stuck in. As we usually do, let us start the show with some updates and follow-ups. So we spoke last month about Apple making a pretty strong claim that their some of their new products, specifically the Apple Watch and some of the straps, are carbon neutral. And Apple make a strong argument as to why that is a fair thing for them to say, and others do not agree. And that rumbled on through October. So Tim Cook very much went on the offensive. Um, He defended Apple's stance and explained it on various talk shows and things. But he also brought a Danish reporter into one of Apple's data centers in Denmark and basically pointed at all the shiny things and made his case there as well, which was very unusual. Apple do not usually let people into their data centers. Um, I report from stand.earth, their Pathways to Decarbonization report, to be precise, says that Apple's climate change efforts far exceed that of all the other tech companies. Uh, yeah, this is what I've been saying for years and years and years and years and years. It is almost certainly true that Apple are not perfect, but Apple are well ahead of the pack here. Not that that has stopped some European groups claiming that Apple's carbon neutral claims are misleading. They basically work off the assumption that if you offset carbon in any way, shape, size or form, you're not neutral. I've studied mathematics. I know what it means that if you remove carbon, then you can emit some in its place. That's the basis for sustainable aviation fuel and all sorts of other things. So I'm not particularly convinced that it's somehow wrong to use offsets. What's wrong is to use bogus offsets. And Apple certainly make a good case that their offsets are genuine. So I don't see any issue here. But again, that's my semi-informed opinion. Uh, we learned over the summer about all the shinies that were coming in Apple's new OSs this year. And one of the things we learned is that we're going to be getting those shiny things in dribs and drabs. Well, a drib has arrived, or maybe it's a drab, not sure which. Either way, with the latest version of watchOS 10.1, we now have the double, the double tap gesture available to us. There are also some new features in iOS 17.1 and watchOS 10.1, but to be honest, I think the biggest new feature really for the other OSs is AirDrop over the internet, which is definitely a useful thing. Apple is also continuing to ramp up its support for developers developing apps for Vision OS. They obviously want to have a nice suite of apps on launch day. So there are new Vision Pro Labs coming to New York City and Sydney, which are very, very far apart. But uh, anyway, yes. Uh, East Coast US developers and Australian developers have a chance to go hands-on with a real Vision Pro to test their apps. Apple have also announced that uh, they would like a nationwide version of California's right to repair bill and they have also said that they're going to effectively abide by the California law nationwide so everyone in the United States gets to benefit from California's right to repair law which is you know it's what they did sort of with the GDPR they just made that global this case is not global it's the whole of the US but nonetheless it's a nice bonus for people who don't live in California that everyone's benefiting from that right to repair law in the states anyway 
Speaking of in the States anyway, uh, Apple Pay Later is now out of sort of its limited run beta, whatever you want to call it. It was open to just some people. Now it's open to everyone in the United States. And our longest running story of all, Apple, China and India. It remains complicated. Um, Surprising no one, China has decided that Foxconn definitely needs to have some audits and stuff done onto it because it might not have paid its tax and its land use might be somehow suspicious. China insists it has absolutely positively nothing to do with Foxconn being a Taiwanese company and their former chairperson running for the president of Taiwan. And then simultaneously said that uh, every company doing business in China should work to strengthen relationships between China and Hong Kong by basically pretending Hong Kong doesn't exist. Sorry, Taiwan doesn't exist. It's like, this isn't political, only we want you to say nice things about us running Taiwan. Okay, it's obviously political. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it for one second that this is anything but revenge from the Chinese government, and it's Apple is completely crying the crossfire because Apple would very much like both Taiwan and China to continue to thrive because it's kind of dependent on both. Um, moving on then to India, more of a good news story there, mostly. Um, India, after surprising everyone by announcing uh, an embargo on importing of laptops and tablets with immediate effect for anyone who didn't have a license, which you obviously can't have immediately. And then they postponed that to Halloween. And then just before Halloween, they went, actually, yeah, Apple and a whole bunch of other people, these are grand, you can keep importing. Here's your license. So that giant big kerfuffle sort of went away. Um, Apple Insider's headline used a word they don't see used nearly often enough, imbroglio. So India clears Apple, others after import imbroglio. Good headline. Um, the former Wistron plant in India that is being taken over by the Indian company Tata is going into iPhone operations. So it is going to be producing iPhones in India by an entirely Indian company, which is a first. Apple sent an alert to a whole bunch of Indian opposition politicians to warn them that there were state-level actors spying on them or trying to. So that sort of points the finger right squarely at that government they're trying to woo. Complicated, awkward, oh dear. Moving on to a regulatory rundown then. Well, oh look, India's back at the top of the list. India have decided that they are going to investigate both Apple and Google for their business practices. In Apple's case, they don't think the App Store is being run fairly, or at least they're investigating whether or not the App Store is being run fairly. Not, you know, by no means the first country in the world to do that, but anyway, again, it's complicated. Uh, Australia wants to regulate Apple Pay as if it was in fact a credit card as opposed to what it is, which is a mechanism for letting people access other credit cards. Apple have rightly pointed out that this is a nonsense concept, but that never stopped regulators apparently. So we shall see how that one ends up. Apple has also filed some paperwork defending itself against uh, Japan's uh, competition authority, finding against them in the App Store. The European Commission have ruled that the Digital Markets Act will cover Safari as a gatekeeper. Now, we knew this already because that was in the original release of who the different gatekeepers are. What we didn't know was how hilariously Apple tried to have that not happen or have that repealed or basically undo that finding. Apple argued that they don't have one browser called Safari, which has far too many users and therefore counts as a gatekeeper. No, 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 no. Apple have three completely separate browsers, none of which individually have enough users. They just happen to all be called Safari, but they're not the same at all. And they definitely, definitely shouldn't all be counted together when it comes to being a gatekeeper under the Digital Markets Act in Europe. Surprising absolutely positively no one. The European Commission thought that was a patently stupid argument. 
And rather hilariously, to prove their point, they quoted Apple's ads back at Apple. Same Safari, different device. Oopsie. Moving on to legal latest. The long, long, long running Caltech v Apple and Broadcom case has finished in a somewhat unsatisfactory manner from my point of view, as someone who's been reporting on this news for years and years and years. It's ended in an undisclosed settlement. An amount of money has changed hands. We don't know what it is. We don't know what what sort of patent licensing exchanges were done as part of it. We know absolutely nothing apart from the fact that they're not fighting with each other in court anymore. So I don't know who won. Maybe everyone won. Anyway. The uh, Massimo case against Apple is also a long-running case, and this one has taken a uh, decidedly interesting in the may-you-live-in-interesting-times sort of uh, version of interesting turn. The U.S. International Trade Commission has found that Apple does, in fact, breach Massimo's patent and has enforced an import ban which if nothing happens in the meantime will go into effect in the united states obviously since it's the u.s international trade commission on december 26th this year so if nothing changes between now and then on december 27th there shall be no more iphone sorry no more apple watches entering the united states hypothetically Presidents can overrule ITC rulings, but in reality that almost never happens. And through the grapevine, no one's expecting that to happen here. So what seems much more likely is that either Apple will somehow manage to get some sort of a legal slowdown by appealing or something, or they will have to come to some sort of a settlement with Massimo. It seems very, 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 very unlikely to me that Apple are going to let an import ban come into effect. So they're going to do something between now and Christmas. But we shall have to wait and see what it is they do. Finally, for legal latest, let us cross over to the other island near the one I'm recording from, the United Kingdom. Where Battery Gate, of all things, has risen its absolutely stupid and preposterous head again. A UK tribunal has given a two billion pound it says two billion dollars in the headline for Apple Insider. I guess it did some currency conversion. Anyway, a lawsuit for a gigantic amount of money, the go-ahead, although the judge did say that the case was somewhat dubious. While allowing it to go ahead anyway. Fair enough. We shall see. I stand by my opinion that this whole battery gate thing is absolutely preposterous. Apple slow down devices to make them last longer. Therefore, they are guilty of planned obsolescence. Wait, what? Ugh. Drives me nuts. Anyway. Moving on to Apple HR and acquisition news. Apple have done themselves a great big corporate reshuffle. Apparently, this is the time of year for such things. Lots and lots and lots of new vice presidents have come along. So we have Tracy Hanley is now the VP of Retail Engagement and Marketing. And Karen Rosmussen is now the VP of Online Retail. And Vanessa Trigub is the VP of Retail Operations. So that is basically all retail-y sort of stuff. All three of those newly crowned VPs report to Deirdre O'Brien, who is, of course, head of retail. Meanwhile, reporting to Craig Federici, we have two freshly minted VPs. We have Jeremy Sandmal is now the VP of Graphics Software Technologies, and David Bitterman is now the VP of Audio and Media Software Technologies. So between audio, media and graphics, I think that covers most of it. They're all reporting to the senior vice president, Craig Federighi. Meanwhile, freshly reporting to Mariah Hegarty, who reports to John Suruji, we have a new VP of video engineering named Harry Guo. And second from finally, we have Rob Hardy has become the VP of product operations and uh, Vanish Vanathakumar has become a VP of Manufacturing Design. And then we have uh, a retirement. Uh, Yannick Bertalus is retiring, and to fill his vice presidential shoes, 
Danny Ardoni Nordhaus is now the VP of Hardware Engineering. That is a lot of vice presidents. No wonder they had to give people like Craig Federighi the title of senior vice president to distinguish them. Poor Deirdre O'Brien only gets to be a head, though. She's head of retail, not... Maybe she's this SVP as well. Anyway, lots and lots of uh, promotions in Apple this year. Moving on to services and original content highlights. Uh, the first highlight's a bit of a low light, really. Uh, we're all going to pay more for our Apple original content. Um, Apple have hiked the price on Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Arcade, Apple News+, Plus, and indeed the Apple One bundle. The last time they raised their prices, I sort of kind of got away with it because I'm an Apple One customer, but not this time. My prices are going up to... Not the world's biggest prices, but, uh, you know, the price of Apple TV Plus as a standalone product has uh, rather doubled in the last, I think it's about the last year. So that's substantial, I would say. Um, Apple are also absolutely positively by no means alone in these changes. Um, A lot of other streaming services are increasing their prices too, because a lot of this stuff is being done at a loss with the hope of, you know, the old joke, we'll make it up in volume. It's sort of like, you know, we'll get people hooked on streaming and then we'll make it up with price increases later. So hello, here's later. Uh, to give you sort of a, an indicative idea, um, Apple TV Plus is going up by $3 in the United States from six ninety nine to $9.99. I remember when it was just four ninety nine. Apple Arcade is increasing by $2 from $4.99 to $6.99. News Plus, $3 from $9.99 to $12.99. How on earth News Plus can be worth more than Apple TV Plus? I do not fathom. But anyway, that is the pricing structure. Um, and in terms of the Apple One bundles, if you are doing it Apple One for a single individual, your price is going up by $3 to $19.95. If you're doing it as a family, you're also going up by three dollars. So that's pretty good value for the family people. Now up to twenty five ninety five, which remains extremely good value now that I see it there. And the premier bundle is going up by five dollars to thirty seven ninety five. The other thing Apple are doing in terms of the bundles is a little bit sneakily. Uh, they have dropped the Siri-only version of Apple Music. That was the cheapest Apple Music plan. Never really made much sense to me as a plan. Well, now it's gone. So yeah, that, that that bottom line has, you know, that sorry, that cheaper option has vanished. Uh, and, you know, that is now, well, they didn't increase the price on Apple Music, but by removing the lower the lowest price, package or option i guess they sort of kind of did anyway you know there's still lots of good stuff coming out for your increased subscription uh unfortunately though if you're a fan of john stewart you're going to be paying more for less john stewart because the problem with john stewart has been cancelled after a two-season run on apple tv plus the show never quite caught the zeitgeist like a lot of John Stewart's previous work had. I personally really quite enjoyed it. Uh, he was quite, you know, he took on some fairly serious topics. Apparently, though, Apple didn't like some of the topics they wanted to take on. Now, this is we're into rumor and speculation territory here. You know, he said, she said stuff. But uh, as it's being reported, they wanted to investigate or report on China. And that did not go over well with Apple uh, as the funder of the project. And rather than change what it is they would do, they decided to just stop doing what it is they do. Um, So as not to be a sellout, I guess. You know, got to credit these, you know, John Stewart and co for their morals and their ethical stand. But disappointing that the show was going away and disappointing that Apple put them in a position, apparently, where that's their choice. Much happier news then. Apple TV Plus have announced that they have a really cool Christmas lineup coming. We are getting Frog and Toad, Charlie Brown Classics, lots more cool stuff, including Helm, uh, Hannah Waddington, who played um, uh, Rebecca on Ted Lasso. Uh, 
And in one of the episodes, she had to sing in karaoke. And uh, it turns out she's an extremely talented singer. And that was actually her in the Ted Lasso episode. And now she gets to do it for Apple's Christmas special, which is being recorded in front of a live audience and a big band in London. So that actually sounds like it could be really quite cool. And while on the Ted Lasso bandwagon, or whatever we're going to call it, or while talking about Ted Lasso, um, three members of the Ted Lasso cast are becoming Barbie dolls. Obviously, Rebecca and Keely were the people you'd expect to become Barbie dolls, uh, but uh, so's Ted. So instead of dating Ken, um, Barbie can date a Ted now. And since he's recently divorced, she really can. Anyway, um, Apple have also landed 27 Children's and Family Emmy Award nominations. So they do seem to be doing a good job of children's television. Not that I've been enjoying much of it personally, because I am not and haven't got a child. Uh, Apple Pay, believe it or not, iPhone tap to pay is rolling out in Ukraine. So while fighting a war, they're still improving their infrastructure. So congratulations, Ukraine, for continuing some semblance of normality in the midst of all of that chaos. Good on yous. And in somewhat related news, if you are a YouTube music subscriber and a HomePod owner, you can now have your YouTube music on your HomePod with proper integration using the various APIs Apple have. So you can even make it your primary source of music on your HomePod. That brings us to our main stories. We have four of them this month. I have decided that while this month's news is not dramatically bigger than last month's or the months before, is we haven't dedicated a main story to what I see as being a really big thing in Apple recently, a focus on games. So there's been quite a few news stories to do with gaming on Apple platforms. And so I thought that was worthy of discussing as one of our main stories. It is a third month of the year, as it were. So Apple have announced earnings. Q4 2023 earnings, because Apple's calendar is out of line with the calendar calendar, and that's just how it is. So for Apple, 2023 is already over because it started in 2022. Go figure. Uh, Main story number three, we have a new Apple Pencil to add some confusion as well as options to the Apple Pencil lineup. And of course, saving the best for last, we got a scary fast Halloween media event. Uh, I've heard people call it a keynote, but a keynote is like the highlight presentation at a conference. You know, a keynote speaker is someone who gives the sort of the final wrapping it all up or the setting the tone of it all presentation at a larger conference. So if you just have a video you post to the internet on Halloween Eve, that's not a keynote. That is a media event. Anyway, we will talk about that as main story number four. Okay, main story number one. Games seem to be something Apple is focusing on. Now, this is not all Apple is doing. We definitely get the impression that this is something Apple is very much supporting with things like the gaming mode in the latest version of iOS and the gaming toolkit for, for helping developers port games to the Mac clearly something Apple are serious about. Apple have also really been ramping up Apple Arcade. So gaming is on Apple's mind. And to that extent, I gathered together all of the gaming-related news stories across my radar in October. The first one, not really crossing my radar for any of the right reasons. Um, Valve are killing Counter-Strike Go on macOS. They are also not going to launch Counter-Strike 2 on the Mac. Apparently, there are just not enough Mac users of Counter-Strike to make it financially worth their while, which is disappointing, and maybe maybe if they look more to the future, that would not be the same. Uh, however, other game developers see things differently. Star Trek Infinite Grand Galactic Strategy Game. Sounds cool. Uh, That has arrived on the Mac, if you would like to play along. Apple have also let it be known that we're getting eight more Apple, uh, eight more games on Apple Arcade, um, some of them really from quite big names. So we have NotWords Plus, which is just cool. I love NotWords, so yay. 
Uh, Football Manager 2024, which is a fairly big title. Downwell Plus, to be honest, I've never heard of. Uh, Delicious, Miracle of Life Plus, uh, kind of haven't heard of that one either. Disney, Dreamlight, Valley Arcade. Well, I've heard of Disney, so that sounds like a big deal. Sonic, a dream team from Sega. Well, that definitely is a big deal. Uh, Puzzles and Dragon Story, I'll be honest, I haven't heard of that one. And Turmoil Plus, I'll be honest, I also haven't heard of. But uh, they are all rolling out, um, Apple say in November, but the rollout dates for the last four games I mentioned is December 5th. So unless I checked, that's not in November, but then again... December 2023 is in 2023, but Apple think it isn't in the running, so never mind. Calendars are clearly wishy-washy timey-wimey to Apple. And then finally, the full version of Resident Evil Village is launching for iPhone 15 Pro and iPads, which clearly wants some serious oomph to run a very modern game. You know, like I say you know this isn't a single giant big story and i could have included this as last month's story or the months before but i never have made it into a main story and i do think it will be remiss of me to go for the whole of 2023 without picking gaming as one of my four main stories because i think that would be missing a trend that has really caught my eye in 2023 so yeah well as we'll learn about in the earnings calls shortly The only thing Apple have that's growing at the moment is their services. A big part of services is the App Store. And a big part of actual profit making in the App Store is games and in-app purchases for games. So it makes all the kinds of sense that do for Apple to be focused on gaming. And they are. And it is continuing to make news. So I just think... That is something we should all stick a pin in and keep watching. Main story number two then is Apple's Q4 2023 earnings call. And it is, it's complicated. Because on the one hand, Apple didn't do particularly well. On the other hand, Apple didn't do nearly as badly as Wall Street thought they would. And on the other, other, other hand, given last year's realities, they were never going to keep up with it this year. So this is probably not a surprise to anyone. On the other, other, other hand, there actually was some really good news mixed in with the expected bad news. I don't know how many hands I have there. It's complicated. Uh, I think it's, it's always revealing to look at the various charts that um, Jason Snell puts out over on Six Colors for every earnings call. I mean, Apple's press release, which is linked in the show notes, obviously gives you the raw figures and a little bit of color from Apple. But I find Jason Snell's charts to be far more useful to me than Apple's own press release. So... You know, headline figures, we have that, uh, you know, the company generated 89.5 billion with a B dollars in revenue. Definitely not struggling. That is down 1% though from the same quarter last year. But the profit was 23 billion dollars, which is a heck of a lot of profit. That is good margins. Uh, the max revenue was at $7.6 billion, which is down a whopping 34%. The iPad, still making a respectable $6.4 billion with a B dollars in revenue, but that is also down by 10%. iPhone revenue, though, was up by 3%, but really the, the only reason that the earnings weren't a disaster was because of services. So if we look at a pie chart of Apple's total earnings, you know, how does Apple revenue, how does Apple's revenue break down? Almost exactly, but disappointingly not quite exactly half of the pie chart is iPhone at 49% of Apple's revenue. Now, in a big change from how this pie chart would have looked even five years ago, The second biggest slice of the pie, which is a quarter of the entire pie at 25%, is services. 
that wouldn't have really been on the radar 10 years ago. And five years ago, it certainly wouldn't have been the second biggest. Third biggest then. Not the Mac. Not the iPad. No, the third biggest is wearables at 10%. Now, 10% of a giant big number is still a giant big number. So that, that, that wearable market is more than enough to be a major company all by itself. But, you know, by Apple standards, I guess one can argue it's not the biggest. But anyway, it is the third largest chunk is uh, that wearables. And then the iPad and the Mac take up, well, the Mac next and the iPad, the Mac at 9% and the iPad at 7%. Frankly, even that 7% iPad is more than big enough for any other company. So, you know, it's uh, interesting. If you sort of graph the Mac's revenue and you do it over a long enough time period. I mean, the compare to last year is way, 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 way down. And that would largely be because last year was weird. Much more so than it being anything really to do with this year. So last year we'd had a whole bunch of pent-up demand and people, they, Apple couldn't make the Macs quick enough and they had really shiny new models and then eventually when they were finally able to sell them they had this giant big spike and none of that was true this year. So it was always going to be, a, as the jargon goes, a tough compare. But even if you zoom back a bit further then, before last year's weird tough compare, you had, well, COVID which really gave Apple a boost. And so the previous years before that are kind of weird as well. So you kind of have to look even further back in time to see what was normal for the Mac before the world went to hell in a handcart. And what you find is that Apple has sort of reverted back to the mean. So if you look at various Q4s back in 2019, We had a Q4 at $7 billion in revenue for the Mac, and now we're at 7.6. So, you know, when you zoom out and you ignore the pandemic years, you'd see that actually, no, it is still growing, slowly, slowly, catchy, monkey growing, but it is nonetheless still growing. So that's the Mac. And, you know, when you look at year-over-year Mac revenue change, it's minus 34%. Eep. Eep, eep, eep iPad revenue then, yes, it is down compared to Q4 last year. And a big reason for that being down is that we have a grand whopping total of zero new iPads this entire year. So, yeah, we're not really, it's just not an iPad time. Apple just haven't been doing stuff with the iPad. There's a little bit of the COVID effect if you look at the Q4 numbers back over time. But if you go back to the pre, you know, the pre Helena Handcart period, if you look at Q4 2019 for the iPad, you're at 4.7 billion in revenue and now we're at 6.4. So, well, actually, you know, that is if you factor out the pandemic bump, that's actually a nice steady level of growth, actually. It just got a bit weird in between. And now that we're recovering from the weird, it makes it look like a drop. But really, when you zoom out far enough, it isn't. Uh, iPhone revenue, then, the graph looks pretty flat, to be honest. I mean, OK, it's technically down a little bit. But, you know, on the whole, it's looking pretty decent, actually. I say it's down a little bit. When I say down, I mean up. Um, because Q4 of last year was 42.6. Now we're at 43.8. If you go back another Q4, you're at 38.9. If you go back another Q4, you're at 26. If you go back to another Q4, ooh, you're at 33. We had a bit of an interesting dip there. 2020, we actually had a dip, um, which is odd. But, you know, we are now very, very, very far above where we were in 2019 at 33. So, but even though we had some really, 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 really bumper quarters during COVID, we still had this fairly steady rise, all in all. Services then, if you look at the graph, it's just like a, a staircase that just goes up. 
I mean, there was a slight distortion this time last year when there was a slight kink in the graph. It technically dipped a little bit Q4 a year ago, but really, it doesn't take much effort to zoom out enough for just to be a mountain. It's just a steadily rising mountain is what uh, services revenue is. So that's, you know, solid, solid for Apple. Wearables, again, you factor out the pandemic and what you get is a pretty steady rise. Um, and in terms of total revenue, it's, you know, it was fairly flat at a low level. Then we had the weirdness of the pandemic and now it's fairly flat at a higher level. It's kind of interesting. In terms of profit, though, um, this Q4 is better than the last Q4, better than the Q4 before, but way better than the Q4 before. So, you know, pretty darn good in terms of profit. So that's that's no bad thing. Um, so, yeah, that is sort of the highlights of the numbers as narrated at looking at Jason Sales really cool graphs. When you look at sort of the various headlines, it's kind of like you can see whatever you would like to see. So just a sampling of the headlines. Apple suffers fourth consecutive quarter of declining sales. Beat Wall Street expectations anyway. Apple's full year results drop for the first time since 2019. Once again, neither Mac nor iPad sales grew in Apple's latest earnings report. And then tidbits have the most upbeat of all. Apple reports record Q4 2023 profits despite 1% drop in revenue. Which I guess does sort of cut to the heart of it that, you know, while a lot of companies report everything in terms of revenue, 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 maybe because they're all tight margins, really a company's about making a profit. So yeah, the revenue was down by a percent, but the profit was up. So arguably that makes it a very good quarter. In his various... Uh, Comments on the call, Tim Cook highlighted the fact that it was an all-time record for Apple services and it was a quarterly best for iPhones. In other words, the best ever Q4 for iPhones. So Tim was trying to find the diamonds among the rough. Uh, Shareholders aren't doing too bad. They're getting a 24 cent per share dividend uh, on November 16th. Um, And Apple didn't give formal guidance, but they did offer some colour on where they think things are probably headed. And they've told analysts to expect strong Mac growth, but a wearable deceleration in the holiday quarter. A roundup of what the analysts think, which goes by the lovely name, an analyst analysis uh, is what Apple Insider called their article. See, you know, the headline captures the most important thing, really. Q4 2023 was okay. Q1 2024 could be surprisingly good. That's what the analysts think all in all. So we were expecting bad earnings. We got less bad earnings than we were expecting. Some things were actually best ever if you pick your metric carefully enough. Other things were down dramatically, but we knew they would be. So simultaneously confusing and blindingly obvious, I guess. Anyway, it is what it is. Moving on to main story number three, we have a third Apple Pencil to enter the lineup. And no, it is not replacing an existing device. There is now genuinely three pencils out there. And no one Apple device can use all three of the pencils. Some devices can use two of them. Some devices, it's all gotten very confusing. So the new Pencil uses USB-C to charge and to pair with the iPad, which means that if you have the iPad that still has a lightning connector, you need a dongle for your new Apple Pencil. Or you can still continue to buy the first generation Apple Pencil. And we also have a bunch of laptops, or not laptops, a bunch of tablets in the line now, which are compatible with the first Apple Pencil, but they don't have a lightning connector so you also need a dongle for those now the apple pencil 2 the the apple pencil for the ipad pro that continues to work everywhere it did that's still sort of like the deluxe version because that charges magnetically connects magnetically and has all the features the original apple pencil actually has quite a few has almost all the features but you charge it by shoving it 
precariously and horribly into the bottom of the iPad, now with Dungle. Um, and then we have this new pencil sitting in the middle. Now, it's the cheapest of the Apple pencils. It uses USB-C to charge and to connect, and it can do the magnetic trick, sort of. It can hang on to the side of the iPad Pro where the Pencil 2 would go, but it won't take a charge that way. To take a charge, you have to use its USB-C port, which is hidden behind the nice little slider, which is industrial design-wise a heck of a lot better than having the pencil sticking out of the bottom of your lap or your iPad all the time, just waiting to be snapped off like the old um, Lightning ones were. But it's confusing. Now, if you buy a pencil with an iPad, it's not confusing because Apple's store will not offer you a pencil that won't work as an optional add-on. But buying a pencil after the fact has gotten much more confusing because for the vast majority of devices, you now have a choice to make. The USB-C pencil is the cheapest, less convenient if you have an iPad capable of the inductive charging because it won't do it. It also, while it does have tilt sensitivity, so you can have thicker and thinner nibs by leaning the pencil, it does not have pressure sensitivity, which is a very important feature for artists. But it's way cheaper. So it's confusing. It's very confusing. Um, I believe John Gruber describes the train wreck. And ultimately, the reason for the confusing lineup is because it matches the confusion in the lineup of iPads themselves. And it comes down to Apple's practice. There, There is no iPad SE. Instead, the cheap iPads are simply older models of the iPad, which are now cheaper to make because all of the CapEx has been regained back. So... The lineup's a bit of a mess because of, the lineup of pencils is a bit of a mess because the lineup of products is a bit of a mess. I mean, what are Apple doing? Still selling a lightning device today, a supposedly brand new? Come on. So it's all it's all very confusing. And the hope is that in 2024 we will get new iPads. This will mean that the version that doesn't have USB-C will fall off the bottom of the line, it will be USB-C all around, the pencil generation 1 can vanish, we'll have only either a USB-C or inductive charging pencil, so it seems to make things a bit easier, so maybe by mid-2024 this won't be such a weird product lineup, but for now, it's a weird product lineup. Finally, main story number four, Apple held a media event, which for the first time ever was in the evening, California time, which translated to the middle of the bloody night, European time. Thankfully, because Americans decided not to change their daylight savings time along with half the planet, sorry, daylight saving, not plural, daylight saving time, along with most others on the same date, like they used to do. They instead started going it alone. So we had a seven-hour instead of an eight-hour gap. So for me, it was a midnight event. It was, thankfully, short. Shorter than any other Apple keynote I've ever seen. Uh, but even if short isn't short enough, you can also watch a version edited down to just 90 seconds linked in the show notes with the absolute highlights. Basically, they had one piece of news, really. There are new M3 chips, three of them, and they're available in Apple's two most popular computing devices, the MacBook Pro and the iMac. And that is kind of the entirety of the special event, media event, whatever you want to call it. So first off, for the first time, we're getting a really very full lineup of a new M series of chips all in one instead of the non-pro chip coming and then the pro chip, then the max chip, and then maybe an ultra chip. We do not have an ultra chip here. What we do have, though, is a plain old M3, an M3 Pro, and an M3 Max. Apple say they're up to 50% faster than the M2s, which is amazing because those M2s were screaming fast machines and they were faster than the M1s, which were screaming fast machines. I'm talking to you for one right now and I do not think it is in any way obsolete. And we have benchmarks to prove that, yeah, it really is dramatically faster than what has come before. So Apple were not lying. It, th- th- these M3s continue to be very substantial improvements. 
which I'm not sure I would have bet this far in some time ago. So you have three new shiny chips. What do you do with them? Well, the first thing you can do is shove them into your IMAX. Very much to everyone's disappointment, there is no new 27-inch model. Apple went out of their way in the keynote to say that, well, the old, the best iMac for someone on an old 21-inch is a 24-inch iMac, and the best iMac for someone on an old 27-inch is a 24-inch iMac. To which I, who, wa- who was for such a long time a 27-inch iMac user, disagree vehemently. A 24-inch iMac is not as good as a 27-inch iMac. I'm sorry. Uh, they did keep the price the same though so we get our giant big M3 speed bump and we continue to have a starting price of $1,299 really is a beautiful machine when you think about it MacBook Pros then also got a new shiny on the inside there are new 14 and 16 inch models supporting the M3 series of chips there's a cheaper 14-inch MacBook Pro, which is killing off the old 13-inch MacBook Pro. So this lineup has been consolidated into very, very sensible. It has made a small number of very vocal people a little bit cranky because they, way more than Apple ever, loved their touch bar. And that is now gone from Apple's lineup. A very meta story is that Apple released a behind-the-scenes video showing how the video was shot and making a point of the fact that the camera device used for the entire shoot was an iPhone. That does not mean that you can hand-hold your iPhone to get an amazing shot like those, you know, drone ones flying around the campus. No, 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 no. What it means is that if you have a... full-on rig then the iphone can take the place of a really 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 expensive camera basically in a professional context the iphone behaves like a professional camera and it is as usable by the professionals as way 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 bigger bulkier heavier and more expensive devices it's just kind of impressive that the iphone is a good enough camera to just join the party and be completely at home in these high-tech shooting situations. It's, it really is quite impressive. So, if I were in the market for a new iMac, I would be very disappointed because I'm still waiting for that. Well, actually, not a 28-inch. No, 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 no. A 30 or a 32-inch, please. 6K display, please. Yeah, wish casting rather than forecasting, but please... And those MacBook Pros look like darn nice machines. Right, let us wrap up with a few other quick stories that made the news in October 2023. If you are the owner of a BMW or a Toyota, um, you may want to think twice, three times, four times before popping your new shiny iPhone 15 down on the charge pad because... Whether it's due to weirdness in the charge pad or whether it's due to a firmware bug in the iPhone, there is a distinct incompatibility. Depending on how unfortunate you are, the your phone will go on a horrible widescreen and make you reboot, most probably when this bug is tripped. Or if you're very unfortunate, it will actually have broken the firmware in your NFC chip and nothing that works off near field will work for you, like find my or tap to pay. So that's bad. Apple have said that there's a fix on the way, but they didn't really say they were going to make any sort of major hurry on it, which is a little disappointing. Switching to happier news, Shazam will now help you find your concert tickets you can now use shazam to search for live music which is kind of cool and interesting and finally finally as apple do every year they have extended the returns period so that you can do your holiday shopping and the people you buy for can hand over their stuff if they do it quickly enough by january So if you buy it now, you can return it up to January, which is no bad thing at all. Right, I am going to draw a line under it for this month, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Um, 
I will be back next month. Maybe I will, maybe I won't be previewing my new idea for a slight format change. We shall see. Anyway, this is a show that is 100% listener supported. I am simulating monthly billing on Patreon by having one quote-unquote creation, which is me listing all of my actual creations. And the reason I'm simulating monthly billing is because while Patreon do offer monthly options to new Patreon sub, you know, produ- producers, yeah, content creators, that's the word I was looking for, uh, they haven't deigned it worth their backside to provide a migration mechanism for us long-term customers. So my reward for being a loyal Patreon user slash customer for well, about a decade is that I can't have the same feature I would if I just started fresh today. So I'm simulating it and that'll do just fine. So there will be exactly one creation by me per month from a Patreon point of view. So if you would like to donate $5 a month to me, just pledge $5 per quote-unquote creation and that will work out at $5 a month. Uh, you can also support the show with a one-off PayPal donation, and of course you can support the show extremely effectively in non-financial ways by spreading the word. Say nice things on social media of your choice. So you recommend the show to friends and family who are interested in Apple things. Don't just recommend it to random people. Um, all of that helps drive the audience up. You know, the aim is to have 1% of the audience contribute to the show. Therefore, the bigger the audience is, the bigger the contributions are. The real aim, of course, is to break even. I was breaking even, almost, almost breaking even, before I switched to simulating monthly billing. And by switching to simulating monthly billing, I basically have my income. Then I asked all of you guys to pretty please consider adjusting your pledge to match this new reality. Lots and lots of you did. You all rock. We're back at about 75% of where we were before I made the change, which is not bad at all. And so, as I say, I'm very, very grateful for all of the support all of you continue to give, have ever given, will give in the future, if you think there is value in this show. One of the ways in which the show gives you great value, I hope, is that I spend a lot of time creating detailed show notes. And I say that, which is kind of not true because I don't create the show notes for the sake of creating the show notes. I create the the show notes for the sake of getting my thoughts in order so that I can see what the forest is and distinguish it from the individual trees. And I create the show notes so that I can create the show. But they are, I think, a valuable summary of the months up on use in and of themselves, which is why I publish them. Basically, this is all of the stories that have informed my thinking on this month's Apple News. You'll find those at letshastalk.ie, where you find the big blue to support the show buttons. Right, I have prattled on for a long enough. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all of your support. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing.